Amen. Praise God. Every time. Thank you, Lord. That's part of that expected. Expect more, more love, more, more blessing, more, more increase, more, more house lights, and more and more and more. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This weekend, uh, just want to, all right, let's just jump in here and uh, get into it. This weekend, we, uh, it's Memorial Day. We honor veterans and uh, that uh, people that have sacrificed uh, their, we do honor the veterans, but specifically, uh, we pay tribute to those who, oh, that ain't going to work. That's not going to work. Uh, yeah, Okay. Y'all tell me, uh, put your ears on, see if it's, is that bothered anything on, online or anything? Is We're good? Okay, all right, all right. Want to keep you cool, but we don't want to disrupt that word. Amen. Amen. We'll get you some ice packs or something. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Well, as, as we honor those that have paid the ultimate sacrifice, um, This, this weekend, um, I mean, we honor those, those veterans that sacrificed their lives for this country. A friend of mine, um, any veteran, just stand up. If you're a veteran, stand up. Yeah. All right, let's, let's, just, let's, let's just give them a hand. Amen. We honor your service. A friend of mine, uh, David Horton, who's ministered here, um, his son paid that ultimate sacrifice when, and um, they, they send, I don't know all the stuff that they do, but I, I know that when someone dies, they'll, they send these military representatives to the home. And these two gentlemen, and it's, it's, not, it's not good when they show up. And they showed up at uh, David's home and but his son, he wanted to go there. He, wanted, he knew the risks. He knew the challenges and dangers, but yet still he and his parents warned him about it, but he was already prepared. That's what he wanted to do, and he sacrificed his, his, his life. And um, even uh, the government honored him. David's been to the White House and things like that. And, and uh, so... So we, we, we um, pay tribute this weekend to those who pay that ultimate sacrifice for our country. And um, today we're going to continue talking about letters from Jesus, and we're going to talk about some people who paid the ultimate sacrifice because of believing in Jesus, that actually died and were, were, were martyred because of their faith in Jesus. <clears throat> and even though we don't see that in this country, it is happening in the world. There are Christians who, who die for their faith. And so we're going to just jump right in and pick up, pick up where we left off last week. And <clears throat> we talked, we're going to pick up in Revelation 2 and verse 10. 
And Paul, Paul, <coughs> Jesus is, is saying, and these are revelation, these letters are letters from Jesus. They're good news from start to finish. Because even when people lose their lives, you say, well, how can that be good news? Is it because we win? You won't even know when you die. All of us, ultimately, will die at different times, but we're all condemned to death because our, our bodies aren't immortal. We have a bodies that will die. <clears throat> but you won't even know when you die because to be absent from the body is what? To be present with the Lord. And so we already talked about, we dealt with uh, the first letter. Okay, we're no, now we're dealing with the, we, we dealt with the Ephesians, letter to Ephesus. And now we're dealing with Smyrna. We started that last week. We'll call them the Smyrnians. <laughs> kind of a tongue twister. But anyway, uh, let's just jump right in, pick up where we left off last time. Now, they were about to suffer some things. What? Imprisonment and death. And that's what we left off, where we left off. And Jesus is saying to them, now, these are letters from Jesus. John penned them. But they are, they are letters directly from Jesus. These, these letters were delivered to the angel of the churches, which are the pastors. The pastor of this church was uh, Polycarp, okay? And he began pastoring this church at about 26 years old. He died at 83. He was burned at the stake. Now, that don't sound like good news, but wait till you hear this testimony that, that we get from uh, uh, someone who actually wrote about what happened to Polycarp, what happened when those thugs came to his house. You're going to learn that he actually, when they, came, when they came for him to take him to his execution, you know that he asked, asked his people to cook dinner for him. He, see, he didn't even fear death. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, now, let me say this before we get started. Don't be, there's nothing to be afraid about, I keep saying this, when we look into Revelation even when it comes to people who paid the ultimate sacrifice and they were martyred for their faith, again, they are going to be with Jesus. Now, we point you to God's best, but sometimes people don't achieve God's best. And, and we're in spiritual warfare, and in warfare, sometimes you have casualties. And it, it's not important like to ask why well why did this happen just rejoice that you know that that you can never lose the person the loved one you lost is not lost they're just absent okay 
but they're present with the Lord. They're absent from us, and we'll miss them. And, and, and yet, they're present with, with Jesus. I spent some time with um, some real intimate times. I never will forget with uh, Eugene Parker before he passed away. And um, now he's believing for God's best. He, at this point, he was in the last stages of his life. And um, he was expecting a miracle, but he didn't get it. But he told me in, in my last moments with him, you know what he told me? He said, I'm in a good place. He said, even if it didn't happen, if my healing didn't manifest, I'm in a good place. And he had, the peace of God was all over him. Because, see, we had that anchor. Thank you, Lord. So don't anybody freak out about this stuff that we're talking about here. Amen. Because it is good news. You, and, and it's something, I mean, it's, it's hard for us to relate to sometimes, but you, you won't know when you die. You just be in the presence of Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. So he said, do not fear any of these things. How is it? possible. Now, they're going to, about some of them are going to face imprisonment, some even the ultimate sacrifice, death. But he said, don't fear those things. How do you not fear? How is it possible not to fear these things? Because Jesus has conquered the grave. Thank you for your enthusiasm. All die but not all fear death. Death is inevitable, but fear is a choice. And watch this. When you see Jesus, everybody say Jesus. When you see Jesus who is dead but has, but has come to life, faith rises and fear diminishes. The more you see Jesus, and uh, I'll, I'll quote to you Revelation 1, 17 and 18. Do not be afraid. Watch this next phrase. I am the first and the last. <laughs> See, he's the Alpha and Omega. That's why we don't need to be afraid. He said, and he said, I'm the living one. He's alive. We meet him when we, when we check out of here. Praise God. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. We'll find out later another scripture that, that drives this home, why that's important, or actually expands on this, because when he's alive forevermore, that means we're alive forevermore. Thank you, Lord. Now, a law mindset interprets promises of God as commands, some of them. They, they interpret some of these promises as commands, like, you better not fear. <laughs> okay. It's, it's not a command. Is, it, is this a command that must be obeyed? No. What it is, it's an invitation to walk by faith. Amen. You have a choice to walk by faith 
You could choose faith or you could choose fear. Now, a law mindset interprets these words from Jesus as commands, but Jesus is dispensing grace. He's giving them a, a timely word of encouragement. Now, let's, let's move on a little bit further. Um, okay. Do not fear any of these things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil... This is, Next part of this verse says, Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Okay, in what sense were they tested? Okay, now notice he said the devil is about to throw some of you in prison. Well, the devil didn't show up personally. As we shared last week, he uses people. So, it is the devil who is ultimately responsible for this crime. All right? Now, when you go through trials and tests, and all of us do, the devil can, may, may whisper to you, this is God's judgment for your mistakes and for your failures. Don't listen to him. Don't blame God for the devil's work. It's the thief who steals, kills, and destroys. Jesus said, I'm come, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. See, we're supposed to, to resist the devil, but we won't resist these things that come against us, like sickness and um, or whatever it is the devil throws our way, temptations and tests. If we think they're from God, then we're not going to resist them. We just say, well, you know, this is just God's punishing me. No, God is not punishing you for anything. God is not angry with you about anything. No temptation has taken you but such as is common to man. We'll all be tempted. It's common. Religion twists that is God will never put any more on you than what you can bear. Anybody ever heard that? If you have not heard that, say praise the Lord. <laughs> because that's not in the Bible. It's, it's, they get that, they twist that scripture. And that's what religion does. It twists scripture. No temptation is taking you but such as is, is common to man. It didn't say God put it on you. But it says God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted above which you are able, but will with the temptation make the way of escape. God makes the way of escape. So he can't be the one putting the temptation on you. That means that God's got us in a little maze playing games with us. He, he, he sends you in this maze and he, and he puts stuff on you and just to see if you can get out on the other, other end. No. Amen. He can't be the one. If he's making... If he's giving us the way of escape, he can't be the one putting temptation on us. Because he gives us a way out. That tells us if he wants us to get out. So if, if, I mean, 
If he's putting a temptation on us, he doesn't have to make a way of escape. Just stop tempting us. <laughs> Amen. So it doesn't make any sense what, what religion is talking about. All right. So how were they tested? Now, watch this. It was the devil's intent to test the saints' allegiance to Christ and force them to renounce the Lord. See, they had in those days a loyalty oath, loyalty to the emperor. And see, the, what the religious Jews did, they were very slick, and it's just like religious folks. They, they played the Romans. The Romans didn't care nothing about the Jews or Christians. They, they, they weren't believers. I mean, they weren't, they weren't Jews. I mean, all they're doing is protecting the state. And they didn't want any kind of riots or n nobody overthrowing their, uh, their regime, okay? Uh, but the Jews played them, and they went and they would tell lies to the Roman officials and tell them that the, the Christians were opposed to, uh, to Caesar or whoever the emperor was. So they, uh, so they would spread these lies and would cause a lot of persecution in a lot of cases. And this is the reason why they were poor. We looked at last week where the scripture says that you, you're, you're poor, but yet you're rich. They're rich because they're in Jesus. Hallelujah. And, and when you're in Jesus, you have all things. All things are yours in Christ. Amen. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how will he not with him freely give us all things? So you can expect God's best. You might have a situation where you're in lack, but God will turn your situation around. Now, these folks were poor. It doesn't say how, but it could have been their homes got robbed and um, they, they were lied on and, and they... they um, ruin these religious Jews, would, would ruin their reputation by telling lies on them, and it could have made it very difficult for them to get jobs. So they were being, you know, persecuted in, in, in a lot of different ways. And some of, the, some of them actually were martyrs. So this test involved pressure from state authorities, undeserved pr prison sentences, and in some cases, torture, and then threats of execution. This is the kind of pressure and test that they were under. Okay? In Roman times, legal proceedings typically commence with a loyalty oath. And the oath was intended to test a citizen's allegiance to the emperor. Now, despite the threats, many Christians refused to take the oath. One of them were, was Polycarp, and I'm going to read something um, about him a little bit later. On the day of his execution, he was offered freedom if he would declare before uh, or if he would declare Caesar to be the Lord. 
But Polycarp refused, and then he was martyred. Okay. So, what is tribulation? Simple trouble. <laughs> and it talks about um, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison. You'll be tested, and you will have tribulation 10 days. 10 days is, is basically meaning it's only going to be a short time that you're going to be uh, tested. Who's faithful? If you follow, on, follow along in your notes, there's uh, uh, some fill in the blanks. It says, to be faithful, last part of uh, Ephesians 2.10, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Everybody say, be faithful, be faithful. until death and I will give you the crown of life. Okay, so who's faithful? Smyrna. The Smyrnians were faithful. Now, their, their faithfulness as a, as a city, as a culture, these people were, were very faithful to Rome. They were loyal to Rome. And they had their, their loyalty misplaced. They literally worshipped Rome. And they were, they were very proud that their city was among the first in the region to be back or, or to back this emerging power called Rome. But again, it was misplaced because eventually Rome would let them down because their false god will minister administer persecution and death. Now, is Jesus saying that they're going to be martyred? Yes. Some of them are going to be executed. Now, they weren't the only church to suffer um, persecution for their faith among these, these seven churches, but no church suffered more than these Smyrnians. As I said, they were some of them, their reputation was damaged, and some of them were burned at the stake. Some of the believers were bullied into poverty. But Jesus forewarned them to prepare them. He wanted, to know, he wanted them to know that death doesn't have that, the last word. After death, there's life. So what is the crown of life? resurrection life. This is very important, y'all. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Everybody say crown of life. That's resurrection life. See, when, 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 when Lazarus died, Jesus comforted Martha with a hope-filled promise. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Now, Jesus knew the, the culture, and he knew that the crown of life would, would relate to them, okay? So, he meets them where they are, so he, he gives them a natural example to show them a gospel truth. Now, among the, the in, in Smyrna, there was a phrase called, that was well known called the crown of Smyrna. Now, 
This referred to Mount Pagos and a circle of buildings that rose above the city that were very prominent. So this crown had been before their eyes and minds from childhood, this crown of Smyrna. And, and also local idols, um, they, they wore people in the worship of these idols. They would wear these crowns or garlands of flowers. So Jesus is saying to them, let these fading crowns remind you of the lasting crown of life. To receive the crown of life, what does that mean? It means to be resurrected to a new life. So Jesus is promising resurrection to all, all these believers who are about to be condemned to die. Thank you, Jesus. And that promise is for us today, too. Amen. So this, this promise is for all of us. Now, let's look at the scripture in uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 5. For if we have been united with him, see, we've been, the Bible says, crucified with Christ. So when, when Jesus died, we died. When Jesus was raised, we were raised. Hallelujah. You know, when we, we weren't just born again, we died. Before we were born again, we died. And then we were raised to a new life. If, you, if, if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly, everybody say certainly, be united with him. Come on, say that. Say certainly. 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 We shall certainly, we shall certainly be what? Be united with him. There, there you go. United with him <laughs> in a resurrection like his. Indianapolis, y'all with me? Don't fall asleep on me now. Okay, so what is the condition for a resurrection like Christ? Simply identifying with him in his death, believing in Jesus. We've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live, yet not, not us, not you, not I, but Christ lives in us. And the life that we now live in the flesh, we live by the faith of the Son of God. You became, became a brand new person the moment that you made Jesus the Lord of your life. And those who have died with Christ will be raised, will be resurrected with Christ. Amen? Amen. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall uh, not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We should put that in the nursery. What are you talking about? Yeah, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. <laughs> Anyways, that's not what it's talking about, is it? I'll tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die. Hallelujah! This is good news. <coughs> we shall all, say all, all. we're going to be changed. 
Thank you, Lord. See, we live under, under a different reality. Now, I believe, I don't believe about being wasteful. I, I, I recycle. I put stuff in the recycling bin and all that stuff. But the, the thought behind a lot of this stuff is that the earth is, we want to preserve the earth for generation after generation after generation, or, or we're in danger of, of the earth, all the resources being gone. We don't need to be concerned about none of that. Because that comes from a, a reality outside of Christianity, outside of the truth. Because we're going to get a new earth. The resources on this earth is not designed to last forever. We're going to get a new heaven and a new earth. And we're not going to live forever in heaven. We're going to come back down here and live on a new earth. God's going to roll this thing up. When people are saying that, that I mean, scientists and biologists or whoever it is, when, when they say that this earth, I mean, the resources are eventually going to be depleted, they're right. And there ain't nothing you can do about it. And God knows exactly how long it's going to last. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And we need to get this good news preached, y'all. Amen. Because, see, that's what's holding him up. Jesus is coming back, y'all. And our bodies, we're going to get a resurrected body. Hallelujah. And we'll all be changed. We're not all asleep but we'll all be changed. Thank you, Jesus. In a moment, glory to God, hallelujah, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound. And the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we, second time he's saying, and we shall be changed. Those who have gone on before us has already got that change. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. All right. So now, now we're three parts, and as soon as we were born again, one-third of us got changed. Two-thirds of us didn't get changed our soul, and our body. See, your body is still subject to decay and death. You were made new on the inside, but your earth suit was not. Your body is your earth suit. The scripture also calls it our earthly house. If our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And so, Philippians 3.21 says, he will, he will transform our lowly bodies so that it will be like his glorious body. All right? Anyone who dies before the Lord comes back, this is called a resurrection. Who gets the crown of life? Those who love Jesus. 
James 1.12, blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved. Now, again, religion tried to turn this into um, something you, 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 oh, you got to make sure you approve. They always want to turn a promise into a condition. But remember, from the outset, I talked to you about how we, we need to see the Scripture through the lens of the finished work of Jesus. All right. So, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Thank you, Jesus. It's, see, it's, man, I, 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 I love reading the, reading the Bible. Um, I, I just love studying the Bible. And there's always, don't ever think that you know it all. Because you can look at stuff and look at stuff. I, I just ordered a book um, called Reading the Bible, um, or kind of the dangers of reading the Bible through Western eyes. Because some of the stuff is cultural and we kind of flip it to fit our culture. Like, for example, and I taught on this. Some of you may, may have heard me teach on this. When Moses uh, married that woman from Cush, that um, they was upset with him because he married a black woman. <laughs> but actually, what I learned was that wasn't even true at all. She was black, but actually the Hebrews were the slave. And the Cushites were the upper class. So what, what they were saying, what they were upset with Moses about is like, who, you think, who do you think you are? Like you get an upgrade, you're too good for that. That woman too good for you. So you see just, just a little twist like that. <laughs> Amen. But here's something like this. If you don't know, you're already approved in Christ. You can look at this like when you've been approved, like, like you've got to get approved. See, this is why you, you, you need to understand the, the Scripture never contradicts itself. It says, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. So you've got to make sure you're approved, and then religion starts to give you a list. Now, when you're approved, you will receive what? The crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. But look at this. Greta Pelles approved in Christ. <laughs> See, you're already approved. We are approved, how? In Christ. Not because of your obedience or what you do. Thank you, Jesus. Paul said at the end of his life, I fought the good fight. The Bible says fight the good fight of faith. I finished the race. I kept the rules. <laughs> no, I kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me 
this crown of righteousness. This is the crown of life, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, <coughs> but also to those who have kept the rules. No, also to those who loved his appearing. Paul didn't earn his crown by being faithful. The crown is given to those who love his appearing. The crown is for those who love the author of life. It's for the children of the king. But wait a minute. Okay, so, so what if, before I, give, before I give you that scripture, let me say this, ask this question. What if I'm not faithful until death? Jesus still remains faithful. If we are faithless, the scripture says, he remains faithful. Jesus, if you're even up until the time of your death, if you're not faithful, Jesus remains faithful. You still get a crown. Now watch this. A mind that's, that's not renewed to the gospel, that is untouched, a mind that's untouched by grace, twists the promises into tests that's got to be passed and commands that must be obeyed, obeyed. Jesus was faithful unto death. You better be faithful too. Be faithful, you get a crown. Be unfaithful, you won't. That's what religion says. Now listen, this temptation to view life as a test, it comes natural to us who've been raised in a world that glorifies achievement. I mean, all through school, our whole culture is related, uh, is based on you, you do this, you work hard, you, you go to school, you get a good job, um, you go to college, you get good grades, you get measured and by, uh, by everything. And, 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 and so it's performance-based. And, it, and, and, and we glorify achievement. But Jesus doesn't speak that language. You got to let that stuff go when you're reading the Bible. Jesus doesn't dispense gold stars or crowns for good performance. But he crowns the undeserving and justifies the sinner. But, 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 but what about the scripture? We'll jump ahead a little bit to Revelation 21. What about this scripture? He who overcomes shall inherit all things. We already told you Jesus is the overcomer. Right? Now, here's what scares people. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. <laughs> Somebody presented this scripture to someone I know, and they, they said, well, what about the scripture that all liars will have their part in the lake? I'm not a liar. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. You're not a liar. That's not your nature. See, this, is, this speaks to the nature of a person. This is not who we, this, this, this is not you. 
we're not reading about you. Like, what about these people? That's not you. These are people that don't know the Lord. Cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, <coughs> and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Okay. Now, this scripture has been used to terrorize the saints. If someone put a gun to your head and said, deny Jesus, would you prove cowardly? If you do, you're going to hell. Now, let's, let's address this. Admissions, <laughs> admissions made under duress, have, they, they, they carry no weight in a court of law. Why do you think a just God will take those seriously? It's a God is a just God. Even in a natural court, Admissions of guilt under duress. It carries no weight. We may disown the Lord, but he will never disown us because he can't disown himself. You know, my, my kids, I, we have five children. They can all cuss me out, deny their Jennings, but you know what? They're still Jennings. <laughs> All right. We've done it again. I'm out of time, but <clears throat> it's not 12 o'clock, though. So I'm going to go on a little bit further. It's Memorial Day weekend, y'all. <clears throat> so let me see if we can blast through this. Just give you some. This is really good. I, I want to finish Smyrna today. And uh, it's a special treat. We've got Subway sandwiches in the back for everybody on your way out. That's not true. <clears throat> but... <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. All right. Eternal life is a gift of grace. Everybody say eternal life is a gift of grace. Let me get this off the screen so I won't. Don't be scared. When you read this, again, this is not talking about you. Eternal life is a gift of grace. It's not a reward given to those who pass the torture test. John 17, 2, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, okay, yeah, we're, we're towards the end now. We're, okay. Praise God. Amen. Y'all enjoying this series? Yeah. Amen. I know it's a little bit different. It's like, a little bit more like class, but I want to just laying it down. All right? So, you getting something? Yeah. 
All right. Each, each one of these churches a little bit different, different issues, but it's all good news. All right, so why be faithful? Why be faithful? Because it's the life-giving choice. Jesus is offering us a choice. You can be fearful. Again, fear is a choice. You can be fearful or you can be faithful. Faithful is better. Fearful is what you get when you lean on your own resources. Faithful is what you are when you hold on to Jesus, when you see Jesus. Fix your eyes on the source of your suffering and you will fear. But see the Savior who died but lives forevermore and you will endure. Polycarp made the latter choice and this is why he was able to endure a brutal death. Now, let me just read a little bit here about Polycarp. Y'all want to hear about him? Yeah. All right. Now, he lived from 69 to 1955. It says when when Polycarp, the aged bishop of Smyrna, was, was brought to the stadium to be slain before the crowds. Boy, this is inspiring about his commitment to the Lord. So when he was brought before the stadium, a way of escape was offered to him. They said to him, the, the captain, what harm is there in saying Lord Caesar and sacrificing and saving your life, said the captain of the police. Polycarp refused. Again, who was Polycarp? He was the pastor of Smyrna. Polycarp refused. A similar offer was made. He was offered this more than once. A similar offer was made by the proconsul, and again, Polycarp did not oblige. Finally, the magistrate pressed it. Swear allegiance to Caesar, revile Christ, and I will release you. Polycarp replied, 80, 80 and six years have I served him, and he never did me wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king who has saved me? The proconsul threatened Polycarp with wild beasts and fire, but the old bishop, according to, to the historian, was filled with courage and joy, and his face was suffused with grace. Why do you delay, said Polycarp, do what you will. When his executioner, executioners came to nail him uh, to the stake, Polycarp said, leave me thus. In other words, don't, don't nail me to the stake. For he who hath given me strength to endure the fire will also grant me strength to remain in the fire unmoved without being secured by you with nails. Polycarp died a noble death and the temptation is to, uh, is to marvel at his fortitude like, man, what a guy, what a super Christian. But it wasn't human courage that held this man to the stake at 86 years old as, as the flames consumed his body. Polycarp endured by the supernatural grace of God. 
And as I shared earlier, when the, those thugs came to take him to the execution, he actually asked if they would give him an hour so he can pray. And then he ordered a meal to be made for them while he prayed. Now, we don't know what he prayed, but I believe what he was doing is like David did. He encouraged himself in the Lord. I believe during that time, I mean, to be able to go through that with that kind of courage and joy and that supernatural strength, I, I believe he had an, an, an encounter with Jesus. He could have <coughs> <he> read, <coughs> excuse me, he could have read during this time, read that letter from Jesus that had been given to him 57 years ago at 26. He could have been, we don't know, but he could have been reading that. But whatever he did, he came out of there with some, with, with, with some courage, glory to God, with, with, a, with a peace. To be able to face what, the, the, what he had to suffer being burned at the stake. Now, is that some courage or what? Okay. As we close, what is, the, um, what is the second death? He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We talked about that. That's a, he, he says that at the end of all these letters. He who overcomes, we're overcomers because of Jesus. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. The second death, what is that? It's the one that comes after physical death. It's the ultimate outcome for those who reject the gift of life. It's eternity in hell. Hell is real. Jesus, Revelation 1.18, is the living one. <clears throat> and those who have been united with him will live with him forevermore. That's the good news. The hope of eternal life appears <clears throat> in these seven letters as the tree of life, Revelation 2.7, a crown of life, Revelation 2.10, and a book of life, Revelation 3.5. So, in conclusion, <clears throat> and uh, we're going to close by quoting some of the 23rd Psalm. And we'll see how that that ends and how that concludes. It's, it's, really, it's really awesome. Very familiar psalm, but we want to read it and be encouraged by it today. Two more things I want to share with you. Uh, one, what was Christ's message for the Smyrnians? Some of you are going to be mistreated on my account and some of you may die. But don't be afraid. Fix your eyes on me. I was dead, but I've come to life. He's saying to them, we're going to go through this trial together, but you're going to be amazed at how well your God-given faith bears up under pressure. This test will only be for a short time, but then we'll meet face to face. 
I can't wait to see you and hug you and give you your crown. What's Christ's message for us? Fear not, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. So if, even if you've received a death sentence, now we're believing for God's best. <clears throat> Maybe you got a, a, a bad report from the doctor. They said what you're going through is terminal. But even, now you're believing for God's best, but even if your healing doesn't manifest, death doesn't have the final word. The Alpha and Omega, he's the beginning and the end. The one who was raised to life invites you to see past the curtain of death and see life, everlasting life with Jesus. As a dearly beloved child of the Most High God, you have nothing at all to fear because nothing can separate you from his love. No matter how hard it gets, even if your heart stops beating and all of our hearts will stop beating at some point, you've got nothing to fear. When they bury your body in the ground, you, by then, I mean, you're already going to be with Jesus. That casket, that person, there's nobody in there. See, it's, it's how you act at, at funerals and things. People like jumping in the casket and stuff like that. You know, you, you there's nobody in there. Sometimes when they, they close that casket. And I, that's why, personally, I don't like an open casket during a funeral. Just close that thing. If it, it was up to me, it wouldn't even be in there. My home going, don't, don't I, I'm, nobody seeing me up there. My body, I'm, I'm, I'm not there. Let the um, funeral director, they used to call him, in the old days, they, they called him the, the more, the, yeah, you need the more, the undertaker. They got cute words for them now. But um, nobody's in there. Thank you, Lord. No matter how hard or how bad it gets, if your heart stops beating, put your body in the ground, there's hope. Put your trust in Jesus for he will never let you go. Say, repeat this after me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. 
Surely, surely, goodness and loving kindness, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I, and I, and I, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Don't fear death. Thank you, Jesus. I said I was going to close with that, but there is a scripture that comes to my mind. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews 2.14, it says, Inasmuch then as the children have been partakers of flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. If you're afraid of death, you live your life in bondage. But when you have a reality of these truths and you don't fear death, then you won't live your life in bondage. You live your life in freedom. See, Christianity is not a life where, where we, we, we basically, like, in religion, go to historical figures and, and go in a book and, and read about them and then try to emulate their life. We don't have that kind of... We, we don't have that kind of life with Jesus. We actually have Jesus living on the inside of us living through us. So it's not about what would Jesus do. We have him living on the inside of us. And see, some people don't live like that. Some people, even in Christianity, they trust Moses, but they don't trust Jesus. Law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. They trust Moses and the rules, the commandments, to keep them in check. I, I trust these, but there's a belief that what things like I teach is error they, because they, they, they think that because they think if you take the rules, people will be lawless and set world records for sin. If, if you take the rules away. But that's being connected to an outdated, obsolete law. I'm going to do some teaching on this because it, it, this is really good stuff. Because the law, see, the law hadn't died. The law is, is well alive. It didn't say the law died. We died to the law. The law serves its purpose. 
It points his fingers at you. And says, what you going to do? What you going to do? So, see, the law, is a, it's, it's a ministry of death. It strengthens sin. It's, its purpose is to point you to Jesus, to bring you to the end of yourself. It's not for us to live by. It's for us to, and, 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 and that's why I said earlier, we just didn't get born again. We died. We had a death. And in that death, we died to the law. The law is still out there, but it's not for us. <clears throat> it serves its purpose to bring us to Christ. It's the schoolmaster, the tutor to bring us to Christ. Once we're in Christ, we're not, no longer under that, under that tutelage, under the schoolmaster of the law. Amen. We are now under grace. So we're not connected to Moses. We disconnected from that. We, we, we had a funeral. Because <laughs> we died with Christ. We had a funeral, and now we died to the law, and then we're married to Jesus. See, if you flirt with the law, you're cheating on Jesus. And so, you, 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 we now, but see, people, what, what the problem is, people don't think that Jesus is enough. That you need a regulator of the law. But Jesus is enough. I mean, you listen to some people, it's like, we're going to go, like as soon as the church is over, man, we, we, we're not under the law, man. We can go, we're going to go and lie and cheat and steal and murder, fornicate. Anybody think about that? <laughs> I mean, if you listen to people talk, man, them people just going to sin like crazy. If you take that law away, mm-mm. Sin won't have dominion over you when you're under grace. Opposite is true. When you're under law, sin will have dominion over you. Every head, body, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus.